For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of For Your Reconsideration, where we stand united mid-lockdown and assess movies that appear to show symptoms to decide whether their self-isolation is over or whether they need to keep on social distancing and inject itself with bleach. <laughs> I'm Rob and with me are Simon and James. How are you doing, boys? Hey, man. Uh, very well, very well. Thanks. Feeling a bit woozy because I tried that bleach thing and I, I don't think it's gone down This is so topical because when we're recording this, he said that nonsense the day before, but by the time this comes out, which is in like three days' time, he will have said something even stupider if you he can will. imagine will. that that's possible. I mean, I'm still in awe that it happened at all last night, <laughs> this, that it even happened. I mean, But there's been a lot of things like that, but now we're, we've gone off a precipice. How this isn't satire, I just don't know. Oh, it's jumped the shark, this whole COVID thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, COVID jumped the shark. Jumped the shark. <laughs> it's too unrealistic now at this stage. I know, we need to get a new writing team on for the next season. Uh. <laughs> uh, how are you, fellas? You okay? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Yeah, good, man, all things considering. Oh, lovely, lovely. What have you been watching? Ooh, let me get my... I never have my notes in front of me. I'm such a dude. Include that. Episode 38, James. Episode 38. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never prepared. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, watching this week, I didn't really watch anything new or nothing new that I'd particularly recommend. I saw a couple of things, but nothing to write home about. So basically, I've just sort of wrapped myself in a comfort blanket of things that I like. So I rewatched oh. uh, Midnight Run with uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, which was absolutely brilliant. And outside is it good? Of... Is it... I'd love to see it. But... You've never seen it? This is outrageous. I'm... Oh, I'm going to go one better than that. I've never heard of it. You... Oh! I saw it on your letterbox, James, and I was like, what is this film? And then it was like, Robert De Niro's in it. It's like, oh... Shit, yeah, never heard of it. Never even heard of it. Oh, my God. James is about to have an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> I love the difference between us, at Sight, in that, like, you were excited about De Niro. I was expa- excited about the dad from Beethoven. Being in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's excellent in it. Never better. Is even he, better than he? he is in both Beethoven movies. Um, <laughs> right, so let me tell you a little bit about Midnight Run. It's on UK Netflix, and it was on Film 4 the other night, so there's two options, whichever you prefer, Ooh. guys, to catch up. So no excuse, then, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, it's, you won't regret it's such a fantastic film so it's from the 80s but it's aged incredibly well outside of the smoking in every interior place <laughs> yeah. that you can and including aeroplanes which never fails to amaze me and uh, the use of payphones. it's just a fantastic i'd call it a buddy cop movie but they're not really buddies and neither of them are cops but you get the sense and it's it, for me it's the best buddy road trip movie ever made and certainly the best comedy film that robert de niro has ever been in yeah that's cool so, that, cool. Give yourselves a little nice bit of homework. What year is it from, James? <laughs> mid mid eighties. Mid eighties. So I don't oh, know the exact year. Honestly, yeah, no, I'd never heard of it. Never. Heard yeah, it's of it. directed by uh, Martin Brest, who did uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So you know, yes. it's uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. So I was hoping we we're going to have a bit of a quote off, but that's not going to happen now. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we're not all as cultured as you, James. I'm sorry about it. I know, it's, it's not, not a cult. It's a mainstream film. The next. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sai? Um, I haven't watched any films, actually, apart from the film we're going to watch tonight, but I started to watch that Giri Hadji mm. on Netflix, which was originally on BBC, I think. Um, so I started watching that, and it, it, yeah, it started off quite well. Like, it's a bit cheap in places, but, you know, probably production 
budgets were a bit low. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that's going to pan out. But also, um, The Last Dance, which... Oh, oh, have you been watching it? Yeah, so it documents the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls with the focus mainly on the 97-98 season of the NBA. Oh my God, it's so good. But the problem is it's released episodically, so it's released every week. Ah. Yeah, I'm storing them up. I need the big sports fix in a oh, week. No, oh my God. I'm just like, I watched the first two episodes and then it said, the next episode is available. And I was like, what? what is this? Like 2004. I have to wait. <laughs> the next fucking episode We're so back. impatient. But, uh, what is this it? is Disney what Plus. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, honestly, yeah, if basketball's your thing or if like me, you were like, enamored with the chicago bulls in the 90s um this mm. is definitely for you it's really really good you know as you'd expect from netflix now when it comes to documentaries it's really really good amazing what if simon you're not really into basketball but you really like the film space jam will this scratch the edge for you <laughs> it might actually ruin the film space jam for you because early signs are showing that michael jordan is not a nice man <laughs> oh 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 but no, it's very well, good. If you needed Space Jam, it's on. It's just come to Netflix as well, hasn't it? So <laughs> you'd be quite all right. <laughs> Double bill. The reason it's so good is they basically got hold of footage from the season in all the dressing rooms and all stuff like that. But it's all shot on film, so it looks oh. incredible. The only thing giving away it's not shot yesterday is the massive, humongous blazers Michael Jordan's walking around. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> I am it's digging that. So are, you, blazers. are you saying there's some sartorial reasons to watch this? As there well? is. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. Absolutely. It, yeah. We will no, have great. another beer for that. It's really, really good. It's really, cool. really good. Cool. Can't wait for the next episode. Um, well, I um, yeah, as you mentioned a minute ago, James, Disney Plus. Um, I have um, well, we got that for the kids, and then I I realised the Mandalorian's on there. Um, yes, so good. Oh my god. I'm really enjoying the Mandalorian. I wish it's it was amazing. all on there though. Like I don't uh, see why yes, I have to yes. wait a week. Well, um, <laughs> I'm sort of four episodes in. I haven't clicked with anything like this in maybe a, you know I can't remember. It, yep. it, like the the music is astonishing. Oh, the music! The production so good. design is out of this world. Quite literally, because it's Star Wars. I read like a one-liner from someone saying, "This is the most Star Wars Star Wars has been since Return of the Jedi." It is. And it I is. Think it's. I think it's accurate. I think it's. It's, it's so amazing. Good. It is amazing. I, I think I just want to, like, it's like that rarity that, you know, sometimes I don't want to go through through it too quickly. Like yeah. I had a chance for another episode last night. I was like, no, I can't. I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. it too much to just want to just race through. I like that they're yeah. only like 35 to 40 minutes and they're all self-contained little adventures with the yeah, through line yeah. of protecting baby Yoda and that, that's it, basically. Oh, my word, like, don't. Oh, he's, he's wonderful, just isn't he? He is. <laughs> I just don't like how um, the Mandalorian himself walks. He he, he walks really <laughs> awkwardly in his little get-up. Because just... there's about four different people in the suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just looks rubbish. You know, when you said that, say, si, I was thinking you were referring to, you know, like he walked like Vince McMahon, like, no chance! <laughs> <laughs> Walking everywhere! But no, no. He doesn't walk like a Jaeger from Pacific Rim. <laughs> No, I, I really like the Mandalorian as well. Although someone, some real sharp tack on Twitter called it the Mandaborian. Oh. <laughs> wow! Get fucked, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See what what is wrong with people? It's not boring in any way. What is no, that matter? It's great. With you? It's really, really uh, good. and that Star Wars infused Western theme. Oh, I can so hear good, it yeah. now. 
Like, yeah. I was writing today to it, and, like, suddenly the, the, the people were shooting each other with blasters and lassoes yeah. were involved. <laughs> like, it was not intentional at all. It's, that is so infectious. Um, yeah. Oh, what a, you know, good spread. Good spread of stuff there, guys. Um, so, tonight, Sai, you posed a question to us this week that had us thinking. Would you care to elaborate? Yes. Um, so tonight's movie is an adaptation of a comic book character and one that did not go down too well at all uh, with fans of the source material. I, so I wanted to know from you guys, what or who do you think is a really good example of a page to screen character adaptation and one example that didn't quite cut the mustard? That's quite, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um would well, you like love... the bad news or the good news first in terms of which Ooh, one? I don't, don't, I, <laughs> Should we end on the positives? Let's end on the positives. So we'll yeah. do, yeah, let's do the bad ones first. James, who's your bad one? Uh, so a bad one, I've got two. So first one that came to mind would be Sly Stallone's Judge Dredd. So he takes his helmet off in the first minute of the film. <laughs> so complete waste of time. And the other one that springs to mind is The Hobbit. Not because I greatly love that book, but The Hobbit is 310 pages. But yet uh, the collective movies are nine hours long. How the fuck does that even happen? <laughs> you really do not like Middle Earth, do you, James? <laughs> I don't like nine hours of it. Middle Earth free zone. <laughs> I haven't seen them. I, I, because I, do you know what put me off those movies was the whole forty-eight frames per second thing, yeah. and it just yeah, really wound yeah. me up. And I was like, no, yeah. it doesn't need to be that bollocks. No. So I just refused to go and watch them, and I haven't seen them since. <laughs> out of a technic, out of a technicality, <laughs> I've seen two of them, and that was enough for me. So I gave them a chance, yeah. but they're very long and very boring. It was the length. I mean, I really loved the Hobbit book; it was amazing. But like the the length of yeah. it was just like, why do I have to do this again? Why turn a three hundred and ten page <laughs> book into three <laughs> epic films? I don't understand. Why do they have to be three hours? Why can't they be three two hour films? Why do they have to be three? <laughs> or you know, just like, like a one, actual runtime, one middle one earth based movie, three hour film. Like, yes! would that have worked? That would have been fine. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Rob, what about you? Before we fall into this Middle Earth hole of despair, <laughs> chuck I... me in a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> I I um don't like doing this one because um I like some, I like the idea that the there's, we talked about this before, didn't we? There's a separation. Like it's just an interpretation of mm-hmm. you know um it's like taking the art. And doing something else with it, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. yeah. And yeah. so I, I'm pretty forgive, for, forgiving of it all, but it's where like stuff goes off, like so beyond where the character should was originally portrayed. So I find Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher a little bit of, of a reach, stretch. <clears throat> of a reach, yeah, yeah. Um, in that he's supposed to be Put six foot five and bald, and you know, love that movie though. For the first the Jack Reacher is banging, uh, so and good. The second one's good as well. I haven't but seen the second one, it's but just, the first and I like Cruise in everything. It's nothing to do with Cruise. It's just the book to screen character thing just doesn't work for me. That's all. That's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. That's an objection that a lot of people had with that because they're just like it well, is, yeah. But at the same time, who do you cast? Like, it'd have to be a total unknown, wouldn't it? Or The Rock. But then everyone would go, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jack Reacher yeah. isn't, isn't Samoan. You know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's very, very true. It's a difficult one, but, you know, I, I don't know. Aren't they doing a Reacher TV series or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so that'll know? give so them the, the, we'll, uh, the flexibility. We'll see. Yeah. Unknown, yeah. We'll see what's going on there. But, no, I mean, I'm, I was looking across, like, all my bookshelves and the comic books and stuff like that, looking for stuff that I felt like either didn't work or did work. And a lot of it's minor quibbles. Mm. I mean, in the, you know, I adore the original Jaws book. Absolutely adore it. But Ellen Brody in the Jaws book goes and has an affair with Hooper. And it's like, and then on the screen, I'm like, you know, like, well, obviously, like like most people our age, you watch the film first, then read the book these days, you know, because mm. of when the book came out. And I'm reading through it, like, and when it happened in the book that they had an affair, I'm like, what? What? <laughs> no, no, this is sacrilege. So, um, you know, and that wasn't the most faithful character interpretation. But I don't know. No, I'm going to say, because I'm going to stick to my original guns, because I feel like I'm just quibbling here for no reason, that um, it's all with merit, all with merit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my in terms of a bad one, it's not necessarily the character adaptation. It's how the characters were played. And I'll probably offend a lot of people here and surprise a lot of people um, by going to Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I have a bit of a soft spot for Harry Potter films. I think they're, they're really amazing. good. I really, really like them. Um, but three of the Weasleys, so Fred and George Weasley and Ron are just... I think they ruin. I think they really are a blotch on the movies. So, as it starts out, it's great. The cast amazing. They look amazing. It's all good. They're kids, but but as the films go on and become like serious, and the rest of the cast grow as actors and become really good actors. Like Daniel Radcliffe, I think, is a really good actor. He's I think he's brilliant. Isn't he? yeah. But those three Weasleys are just so bad, and they just ruin every scene they're in. And you just like, oh, for God's sake, you just complete. But you have to keep them because of the characters. And uh, yeah, I just it, they just really stood out to me. And I, this is the most negative I've ever been in thirty episodes of the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But yeah, they they just. Um, yeah, the three Weasley brothers. Right, and then, that's and three then... times now, Sight. You've had three opportunities to conjoin three Weasleys and say <laughs> Threesley. You've never taken <laughs> the three it. <laughs> I just, I can't handle it. I'm sorry, I, I'm not. Really <laughs> uh, but then, because you, you get in one of the films, there, uh, Donald Gleeson rocks up as the elder Weasley, yeah. and just fuck it out. Why can't you be like him? Be like him. <laughs> if I could go to bat for Rupert Grint for a moment, uh, I watched uh, Servant on Apple TV Plus last year. You know, uh, M Night Shyamalan's show. Oh yeah, he, with Toby. He's Cavill. in that, and he's really, really good in it. Is he? Well, that's yeah. Good. So that's he has. Good. He's not. He's not Ron Weasley in that. He's American, and he's. Kind of an asshole, so he's really good oh, at that. I'm interested so. to see that, and of course because it's Shyamalan. Obviously. It's brilliant. It's amazing. It's, so yeah, it mm. might it might be a case of like bad adapt- adaptation because it's just not. When I read the books, it's just not Ron Weasley. He's a, he's a lot more charming. He's a lot more. He's a lot funnier. Everything else is great though. Love those movies. Fucking bang. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the Alfonso Cuaron one. That one's amazing. I literally, I thought you were going to say the Alfonso Riviera one. <laughs> <laughs> Carlton Banks. <laughs> He'd have been a good run. On to the good one. Let's get rid of the negative stuff. Let's Be gone. On to the good ones. So, James, what's your good one? Oh, I've got, I've got a few good ones. Uh, just, uh, I'll reel them off quite quickly. So, two novels that I, uh, that having read the novels, I can't believe that the films that came out of them were so good. So, American Psycho and Train Spotting both would look like unfilmable books, uh, but they, they both became excellent films that made stars of their charismatic antiheroes. 
Alex Garland's dread, as previously discussed on this podcast. Mm, Keeps the helmet on. It's not rocket science, is it, lads? He's great, isn't he? He's he's so good. So, so good. And probably my favourite book adaptation of all time is The Shawshank Redemption because, well, it's just a perfect movie. Have you guys heard Mm. of that one? You heard of the Shawshank <laughs> Redemption? All right, James. Yes, <laughs> yes, I've only seen it once, though. Oh, it's a great. It's so good that one, isn't it's it? It's all right. Because <laughs> I'm one of those who prefers a lot of Stephen King films to the books, and I think that's another one. I prefer the film to the book totally. Do I step in? Yeah, that goes. Okay. Right, I really like um, Ben Affleck's Batman. Night. Oh, I thought yeah. Good, yeah. I thought you were going to diss the Shawshank Redemption. No, <laughs> yes, so yeah. yeah. Don't know enough about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I, um, one I, I really enjoyed was in uh, Dennis Lehane's Kenzie and Gennaro series. Oh, yeah. Casey Affleck and Michelle Monaghan as the titular duo of Kenzie and Gennaro in Gone Baby Gone. Thought I was really, oh, they were really Gone really Baby Gone's great, isn't it? Yeah, it, and it's weird. That's I think it's the fifth, fourth, or fifth in that series. The fourth one, I think. Is it the fourth? Third. It might be the third. It's the third or it's one of the middle ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a great series, James. You've read, I think you've read. Most I've read them all. Yeah. You, read you know, them all, there's yeah, an yeah. actual sequel to Gone Baby Gone. I think the sixth one in that series. Yeah, is a direct yeah. What sequel is it? Moonlight. Uh... Moonlight Mile, is it? Oh, I think. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's over there. But, um, yeah, it, it, they, they were really, really good. Um, and also, I'd like to say that James Bond, when he's being played by Timothy Dalton, is excellent. <laughs> Superb chin. Sheesh. Four. Yo, oh, yeah, oh, indeed. <laughs> yeah, really good. Um, I, my two, I've picked two as well, and they've both been mentioned. Um, one is Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, who I just think is oh, yeah. amazing. It's, I, watched that, I watched it a few weeks ago, and... I love the book and I love the film and they're kind of different. I think the book's a lot worse than the film. The book is, yeah, like I said, it's not really, it's just Texas Central idea really because you couldn't film what's in that book. Bray Easton Ellis didn't like the film adaptation, said it missed the essence of the book and everything like that, but I think it got the essence really well of the book. It was really, really good and it, it had most of, you know, most of the book in it. It was it was just the ending what was slightly tweaked, wasn't it? But yeah, um, Brett Easton Ellis is a bit of a super troll anyway. So yeah, Patrick Bateman, <laughs> um, Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman is made another one. Uh, ben Affleck, but not as Batman, um, as Nick Dunn in Gone Girl. Oh um, yeah. yes, yes. I have never read a book and pictured someone as perfect as the film has done it. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah, yeah. absolutely nailed it. It was and it, Affleck nailed it. He gets a lot of shit Affleck. He's I really just feel good. Bad for him. He's, he's really yeah, good. Really <laughs> yeah, it, he's yeah. great in that movie. And so is Rosamund Pike as well actually. Yeah. So you could probably yeah. say two. That was pretty there. perfect casting. That was well. pretty it was, wasn't it actually. Well, that yeah. that was it, I, I didn't feel like I could go Lahane and Gillian Flynn you know similar genre and stuff like that. I didn't want to yeah. name them both so I went with uh, Lahane on that one. But yeah. Completely perfect. And then uh, Chuck, a controversial one in just quickly. Um, Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, no, I do I do like it. I just, he was a he's little... My, he's my favourite Spider-Man. Just slightly too confident for me. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. He, w- he was the most accurate one for who I thought Spider-Man was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Spider-Man, it's funny, it occupies a really, really precious part in a lot of people's heads, doesn't it? You know, so, like this from a guy who tried to convince his wife to call, because his surname's Parker, call his son Peter. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't get very far. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. That doesn't mean to say that I think Toby Maguire was any better, and I certainly don't think Tom Holland is any better. But of those three recent iterations, yeah, Garfield was one I really enjoyed. I think they're all good. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Everyone loves a bit of a, a chit chat. Um, <laughs> what an awful segue that is. <laughs> I'm going to keep that inside. That is absolutely dreadful. It was like, um, like so... a mid 90s game show host. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go to the Wheel of Doom? Wheel of Doom! Yay! Right. Let's move swiftly on for 100 points. Um, yeah. Well, for 100 points, James, give us a logline. What's tonight's movie? It wasn't my pick, it's so my I'm not movie. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the screen. I looked at the wrong pair. Oh dear. These are the, the lockdown heebie jeebies, guys. Say, uh, give for 100 points. Give us your log line. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, yes, uh, this week we are taking a journey to Hellenbach, otherwise known as downtown LA, with a chain smoking, wisecracking, demon exercising Keanu Reeves as he helps a detective prove her twin sister's suicide was not as it first appeared. And it uncovers a devilish plot amongst the hidden world of angels and demons. This is the 2005 Hellblazer comic book adaptation, Constantine. What? Cold. Sure about this? No. Mr. Constantine, I'd like to ask you a few questions. I know the circles you travel in, the occult, the exorcisms. Easy there, hero. That's Dragon's Breath. I thought you couldn't get it anymore. Oh, I, uh, I know a guy who knows a guy. I thought that you could at least point me in the right direction. Yeah, okay, sure. Please. What if I told you that God and the devil made a wager for the souls of all mankind? No direct contact with humans, that would be the rule. Just influence, see who would win. Demons stay in hell, angels in heaven. They call it the balance. I need to see what you see. You do this, there's no turning back. You see them, they see you, understand? Constantine, talk to me. Why'd you pick this? I've always had an interest in graphic novels um, and comic books and things, especially on the DC side of it. I absolutely love them. I, and I was made made aware of this movie initially purely based on the controversy surrounding the casting of Keanu Reeves because he's famously a 
character with blonde hair. He's from Liverpool in England and he's got a Colombo type Mac. And when I remember when news of Keanu Reeves being cast in this role, everyone kicked off. It did not go down well with the comic book community, as you would expect, really, because they hate absolutely everything what gets <laughs> released there. There's always something to moan about. Um, I wasn't massively attacked. I wasn't really that bothered about the fact he was uh, turned into an American. I didn't really care. Um, I thought it looked cool. And uh, I, I remember going to see it at the cinema and thinking it was just primed to be a cult classic because it got slated at the time, I remember. But because in recent years, Keanu Reeves has sort of had a bit of a renaissance, you know, like Matthew McConaughey did, his McConaissance. Yeah. <laughs> Keanu, right. Keanu Reeves had, had the same recently. Like, everyone loves him because he's, really, he's come across as a really nice dude. And yeah. everyone really likes him. And he's, he's on, in, you know, in terms of culture, he's on the internet everywhere and blah, blah, blah. So I just thought this was a good chance to revisit this film in this modern day context of Keanu Reeves. Because it's a Keanu Reeves movie. You know, he is at the forefront of it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was proper suited to our little podcast where we try and champion films that everyone thinks are a bit shit. <laughs> I think those are really good reasons. And I think that um, <laughs> as we... <laughs> that wasn't meant to be sarcastic. That was no, like, no, no. very genuine. Um, I, th- I think as well, like, um, as we see, this is like one of the perfect movies for this podcast, I think, actually, for reasons we will discuss. But James, what about you? What are your, what's your relationship with uh, Constantine? I saw it in the cinema when it came oh. out, I think, because I was a huge fan of the Matrix movies. Uh, I even convinced myself for a long time that I like the sequels, which I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and this was like Keanu Reeves coming back to doing big blockbuster movies. He hadn't really done one since the Matrix sequels. And it looked, it just looked cool. Like the trailer looked cool, and the visual effects yeah. looked cool, and the concept was uh, appealing. So yeah, that, uh, we went to see it at the cinema, and I don't really remember. I didn't really remember it until I watched it again this week. To be honest <laughs> with you, neither did I actually. Neither did I. Surprisingly, doesn't bode yeah, well. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say yes as well. Um, I'm assuming. I think I must have seen it in the cinema. Or actually, I think. Do you remember? Um, they there was a a blockbuster on Ecclesall Road. Um, yes. Yes. And they used to five do, DVDs for a tenner. You got it, baby. Um, and I think I got it from there. A pre-owned DVD for a yeah five pre-owned DVDs for a tenner. Or was it three? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, that is totally superfluous information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ring them up, bring them up, see what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The price points of defunct video stores are not important. Um, but um, yeah, it was one of those things that I was aware of it because um, it's a Vertigo comics property, isn't it? Mm. And um, I really liked uh, one of Vertigo's other um, series, 100 Bullets. So uh, when I would read 100 Bullets, like it would have an advert for their other properties at the back and Constantine. So I was aware of Constantine. But um, because I like my escapism, I knew he was from Liverpool and that was too close to home for me. So I didn't read it because of that. You know, I like to go to different places, you know, in my, yeah, 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 in yeah. my fiction. So, um, yeah, watching the cinema, haven't watched it since. Oh, sorry, watched it on Blockbuster. Haven't watched it since. Mm. So, yeah. So, um James, you were the one that used the word blockbusters, Keanu's return to blockbusters. Yes. What is the budget on this? So this is an expensive film. So it was a hundred million budget. It made two hundred and thirty-one million worldwide, which is okay, but at that budget level, probably not enough to launch a franchise as it didn't. 
interestingly, Francis Lawrence, who directed the film, pitched a sequel idea after I Am Legend. Uh, he wanted to do it on a lower budget and make it a hard R, which is Ooh. a phrase that American filmmakers really like. Um, but Reeves <laughs> and the studio weren't into it, so it never got going. And obviously, we're not oh, going to wow. see it now. So that's interesting. Um, uh, mm. So it doesn't qualify on those terms whatsoever. No. So critically, I assume it must qualify. Yeah, because I, um, I think I gave it gave the game away when I said it got slated on release. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I try to keep them on tenterhooks. Side. Yeah, this was this was the thing I remember most about this film: like how much it got slated when it came out. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, it's at forty six percent for the critics and seventy six, sorry, seventy two percent for the audience. Metacritic, fifty percent critics and audience eight point seven, so really high on the audience. Wow, on Metacritic. Wow. Uh, Letterbox is three point two, which is higher than I thought actually. I that is, yeah, 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 yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, our weekly LaSalle treatment to to, to old, old Mick LaSalle. He hated it. Oh, he seriously no! hated it. No! His, re- his review is brilliant, actually. It's so funny. Um, he gave it one star, saying, uh, Constantine is a seriously unpleasant movie. It isn't hellish, because there's always hope of leaving it. It's more like purgatory. Two whole hours of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ebert, Ebert hated it, 1.5, uh, as did Pete Bradshaw, whose review is also hilarious because half of it is made up of him going on about Keanu Reeves and how young he looks. <laughs> <laughs> really? This is for The Guardian, so it was obviously a tiny column. You know, It wasn't a full-blown review, it was a tiny column. This is literally half of the review. Keanu Reeves must be taking some kind of super strength Botox to look like this. It is beyond anything as vulgar as bad acting. Those exotic chops are patently not in receipt of electrical impulses from the brain in the conventional manner. Maybe Keanu is shooting up Botox with the calibre of needle they used to subdue a rhinoceros. (laughs) Or maybe he is munching his body weight in Botox brownies in the location catering van. Or smoking rock after rock of special kind of Botox crack. (laughs) What is he talking about? He did this. He did this on Man on Fire as well. He's an absolute moron. That is half of literally half of the review is obsessed with how young Keanu Reeves. I don't know how this is possible that Mick LaSalle could smash the film to bits, but still not qualify going to FYR jail because (laughs) Pete Bradshaw has. I mean, Pete Bradshaw, you were in there for a long time. He's done this before. We've had him on before. Yeah. About the bread one. What was the bread one? Oh, that was a John Carter where it's like, do I'm stuck in a Greg's and my head's blowing up (laughs) a dough. So funny. Does he like films, Pete? I don't know. He gave Man on Fire one star as well. I bet he really likes Casablanca. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a good movie, but yeah, you can like really both. Good, yeah, yeah. It's great. Like, um, you, you are allowed to like both. Yeah. I really like the Seven Seal. Made me feel all doughy. <laughs> I think. Uh, Don't say that. Pete, he'll get an erection. Uh, <laughs> outside of the outside of the, the big hitters, especially the Sal. Honestly, read oh, his yeah. review. It's amazing. Um, across the board, <laughs> across the board, most didn't like it, and they all had similar sort of feelings. A lot. Uh, they found thought it was too boring. A lot of people bemoaned the casting of Keanu Reeves because it wasn't accurate to the comic. Um, they felt it was a bit generic and by the numbers. And interestingly, I found a lot of US critics took issue with the religious elements yes. of it. I thought that might be the case, actually. 
there were a couple of good ones. Hollywood Reporter liked it, said it was one of those rare pulpy page to the screen translate translations that actually gets it right. Um, and there were a few others who appreciated the sort of gothic noir treatment of it um, for a big studio movie. But on the whole, <laughs> uh, uh, that's any, a thumbs um... down. That wasn't me losing my balance. <laughs> <laughs> Downloading broadband on the uh, on the on the stream. Can, right, can I propose a new system uh, or a new um, thing for the uh, FYR podcast? Can I propose the FYR Hall of Fame and the FYR Hall of Shame? And if you are welcomed back positively three times, you're in the FYR Hall of Fame, but negatively <laughs> you are in the FYR Hall of Shame. Pete Bradshaw, you are the current only member of the, <laughs> yeah. of the FYR Hall takes of Shame. <laughs> yeah. John Carter, Constantine. Terrible reviews. And, um, and Man on Fire. You can, yeah. you can dislike the movie, Pete, but it's you've fine. got to go about it in a grown-up kind of way. If you're going to yeah. act like a moron, we're going to put you in the corner. Yeah, uh, look, ridiculous. seriously, your, your crimes for talking about dough and Botox will live long in the memory. Whereas, you know, we've got loads in the Hall of Fame here, but Mick LaSalle is currently judge, jury and executioner of the Hall of Fame. He gets a um, pass, I think. Mick, Mick can, he can go do as he pleases. He wants. He's the sheriff in this town. So He's about to sort out a, a <laughs> the Sharpshooters World Cup. Uh, <laughs> um, so, well, actually, can we talk about Francis Lawrence as director, please? Yes. For a moment. I had a little cursory look through his filmography, and this is his first film, isn't it? Is it? It is, yeah. He was a supremo music video director and commercials director before this. Did you look at his list of music videos he's done? Oh, it's incredible. It's like 90 unbelievable videos. (laughs) Like some of the most iconic videos of the turn of the century are his. It's it's an absolute unbelievable. He even worked with Genuine twice. (laughs) (laughs) What a complete legend. He did Crimea River. Wow. Yes. Yes. He did Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. Of course he did. Honestly. Oh, wow. It's amazing. It is so, so good. I, I love it. His, you know, music filmography is... He's absolutely incredible. He did The Call by the Backstreet Boys, which yeah. is a fucking brilliant song. It's <laughs> yeah, such it's a it. good song. It really, really is. Um, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with that song. <laughs> Sorry, I could just watch, I could just read through uh, this film, this video. It's that impressive, though, isn't it? It really is. Because he's got that, then he's got I Am Legend, and then he pretty much goes straight into the Hunger Games movies, doesn't he? He did a weird elephant movie with Robert Pattinson, which had no special effects in it. Really? Like Water for Elephants, seriously, yeah. With Reese, is it Reese Witherspoon and Robert Pattinson? Oh, that one? Yeah, yeah. It came before oh, he got the Hunger Games sequels. I just, he's a man of so many talents. So if this is his first film, obviously this is before I Am Legend. I thought this was after I Am Legend, actually. No, this no, is uh, this is before. before. I think uh, I Am Legend yeah, is 2008. Yeah, Legend was 2009, wasn't it? Oh, was it 08? 2007, we're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of similarities between this and I Am Legend in terms definitely, of visuals. Definitely, definitely. Both hated. Um, <laughs> but both, you know, actually really good. Hi. I'm Court Dunn, and I'm the host of the Writer Experience Podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk to writers and creative professionals about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Our guests include comic book writers, screenwriters, novelists, TV writers and showrunners, poets, and actors. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you there.
So, should we have a little look into the movie itself? Oh, yes, let's go for it. A little delve. Um, Lovely apocalyptic titles. We do love a good title on the FYI podcast. We do. do. But these are very, very swish. Oh, yeah, they really are. So, it's a Warner Brothers Village Roadshow joint, isn't it? And that's the. Joint! Joint. (laughs) A spiky joint. So this is surely why Keanu Reeves is in the film, right? Because didn't yeah. ma- didn't Warner Brothers and Village Roadshow do Matrix as well? They did indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's in their good graces. Yeah. And this would be what after the sequels have wrapped up on the Matrix, or is it? In yeah, yeah. This is three, two or three years after the the final Matrix movies right. come out. Yeah. I say final. They're making a new one, aren't they? What am I talking about? <laughs> it's very much riding on the coattails of the Matrix, isn't it? This movie. Yes. Casting Keanu certainly in look as not. I don't yeah. mean look um, as in the character design. Um, you know, black coats and Keanu looks good in black, doesn't he? Yeah, I think this uh, one point in the film where it really popped for me, like the Matrix element, is where he goes um, to the occult club and he walks yes, through there with yeah. some crisp emo music on in the background, <laughs> and uh, it, it it looked very Matrix at that point. So- I felt <laughs> even though it was red rather than green, it's something that yeah. doesn't often go together. Crisp emo music. <laughs> Not a phrase you're going to hear too often. (laughs) Immediately, I'm struck by how well this film is photographed. It's absolutely stunning. Mate, I'm so glad you said it because I was just so surprised at how good it looks now. Yes. I haven't seen this film for at least 10 years. Yeah. And it looks beautiful. It's so well shot. Yeah. like Particularly in the first half an hour, I think that's where he sort of... Um, he sort of what's the what's the term? Um, <laughs> I don't, I can't say. <laughs> Spass is load. Um, <laughs> the first half hour is just beautiful stuff in terms of what's going on with the camera. It looks amazing, I think. It does, but I don't think that lets up at all. I think it's it constantly looks brilliant. And if you think about it from this, from us watching it now in two thousand, that's fifteen years ago that this yeah. came out. Yeah, and that's a heck of a thing, especially if you then extrapolate backwards so think about the difference between in 15 years between um the way that constantine looks and then say for example predator 2 was that 1990 yeah 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 Yeah. so the difference is stark isn't it you know you can see there's a huge difference between predator 2 in terms of look and uh constantine in terms of its sheen and just how far effects have gone on. But for them to still hold up 15 years later is so impressive. Yeah, are we talking about the effects or the cinematography? I think I, think I agree honest, with you on the cinematography looks great. The yeah. CGI for me is... Oh, this is the problem I had with I Am Legend and the problem I have with a lot of Francis Lawrence's films is that yeah, he yeah. always makes, for me, the wrong choice in choosing CG, too much CG over practical, which right, takes right, you out yeah. of the beautiful aesthetic that he's actually created yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. i got i got muddled there james you're absolutely right i was really talking about the um the polished sheen of those films yeah yeah oh i mean it does it looks the actual cinematography the in-camera stuff looks great and it's shot by this guy Philippe uh Ruzolo. i've probably butchered his name who's a french director of photography he's been working since 1970 uh, and his wow. other credits include he worked with Tim Burton a lot on Big Fish and the eponymous Planet of the Apes remake. He also did uh, the Sherlock Holmes series with Rob's new favourite director Guy Ritchie and uh, <laughs> and the Nice Guys for Shane Black ace, as well. By the way. Oh, <laughs> the yeah, nice they do, yeah. All, all gorgeous looking movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a seasoned operator. 
Yeah. I just think this is what really stood out for this film, watching it back. Yeah. Just how nice it looked. Yeah, yeah it looks lovely. Yeah. I, I, it's funny, this, actually, James. Like, did you watch it on... How did you watch it? Like, you watched it on um, a telly, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I watched it on... Uh, I rented it off Amazon Prime and yeah, watched it I, on there. I did the same. Um, and it's funny that... Because I was just wondering, like... God, just because of how busy things are. I've had to watch... I rented it on Prime. And I'd yeah. watched 10 minutes on the the telly, 10 minutes on my phone, 10 minutes on the laptop, you know, like trying to, you know. Just how so... the filmmakers intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, it's the only way I could get it watched. But I came away thinking the effects were really good. Yeah, I think it probably depends at which point, which screen you saw them on. Yeah, that might be right, yeah. I was uh, on and off with I thought some of them held up really well and then others didn't hold up so well. I thought it was a real mixed bag. But this is why I was surprised that this was before I Am Legend because, like you, James, like I Am Legend, I think, could have been an absolute classic if it wasn't for the proper shonky CGI. Yeah. It just ages the films appallingly, you know? like Yeah, yeah totally, It's a constant totally. bugbear we talk about and the good old Quentin's... Uh, you know, his thoughts spring to mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you need to get me the beat beat machine out, Rob? Or you're not. Oh, I, w- I could never repeat. It. <laughs> <laughs> we open with a quote about the the spear of destiny. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the information regarding the spear of destiny, and then we cut to Mexico, and a, a chap stumbles upon you would assume is this spear of destiny wrapped in the flag of a Nazi, which is a bit like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. How did that get to Mexico? <laughs> yeah. In my, sorry, sorry, in my notes it just says <laughs> some dudes in some deserty climbs find a knife wrapped in a swastika and already you're like, well, that's bad news. <laughs> yeah. that Put it back. Yeah, don't touch that. <laughs> Do not touch that. Indiana Jones found it and it, found, it made its way out of the big warehouse <laughs> yeah. in, into Mexico. And then, we're, then we then we jump to LA and we're introduced to Constantine. Oh, well, like before we jump there, there is actually a really good effects moment here. I've just spent five minutes slagging off the effects. The guy picks up the dagger, doesn't he? He starts heading off into the desert and a car just comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And absolutely oh, poleaxes totally. it. Totally, yeah. Right. And honestly, I was like, whoa, that come out of nowhere. It genuinely surprised me. And then the horrible CGI took over. Uh, obviously, uh, there was CGI to start with, but it was better... When it went in close, it just looked really poor. And then, yeah, he decides that he's on a pilgrimage to America. Do you think Donald Trump saw this film and he thinks that that's what <laughs> actually happened? That's why he doesn't you know want Mexican people. Would not be surprised. Would not no. be surprised at all. They're yeah. coming here. They're bringing Nazi daggers into our country. They're coming in illegally. <laughs> we got to build the wall to stop the Nazi daggers. <laughs> Where is Keanu Reeves when you need him? <laughs> It's a great guy, great guy. <laughs> so yeah, we we uh, we we go to LA um, and we're introduced to Constantine, who straight away you're sort of thrown into the supernatural world. Yeah, he because he exercises a demon from a young Mexican woman. I really like that sequence. It's really good sequence. And again, really good is, sequence. The the effects are so like hot and cold here. Like sometimes yeah. they work really good. And then others, they're just a bit like... I, I find mostly, and I think I found this pattern throughout the most of the film, actually, when it comes to the demon sort of side of it, yeah, you know, yeah. it when it's an animated thing, yes, that's when it looks a bit crap. But everything else out, around that is like pretty good. And I think this scene sort of sets you up for what the whole film's going to look like. You're going to yeah, get yeah. some of it looking good, some of it looking bad. And then we get introduced to an actor who I totally forgot was in this movie. <laughs> so did I. Shia LaBeouf is, uh, plays Chaz, who is like his little sidekick, who's who's downstairs <laughs> in a little taxi cab. Yeah. 
I was like, totally forgot Shia LaBeouf was in this. And I actually quite like Shia LaBeouf. I don't so know do why I. he gets he's got such a bad rep. He had some Lindsay Lohan esque years, didn't he? Where he went yeah. a bit off the rails and yeah, he mean, dissed Steven it... Spielberg as well at one point, which kind of didn't do wonders for his career. So yeah, he was trying that. to say stuff to make the fans happy, though, wasn't it? Because everyone hated. Yeah. Indiana yeah. Jones 4. He couldn't make the fans happy. The reason that people hated that film was mainly because of him. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't win. Yeah. But I, I I don't know. I think he's got like such this like unique charisma on screen which no one else has got. Oh yeah, he's great. I, I, I really like good. him. Yeah. I, I yeah, I got no trouble with Shia LaBeouf being in this movie. Yeah. Totally forgot he was in it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What is the anglicized version of the name Shia? Cuz I know the beef Le the beef. Shire the What's, beef. <laughs> yeah, what is the anglicised word? Because is it Stephen the beef? Sean beef. Sean beef. Did you say Sean beef? Sean beef. Or Sean Bean even. <laughs> Steve the beef. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a porn name. <laughs> <laughs> Probably is. Don't Google it. <laughs> Don't Google Steve the Beef because you'll end up at Shia LaBeouf. That's why. Um, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> I yeah, I he's he's in that sort of that proto version of himself that he will yes. go and perfect in Transformers a couple of years later. Yes. Um. You know. So he's um. Yeah, I think he brings, um, you know, I like my dudes, earnest and honest. Yeah. I think he brings those qualities actually. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I think he's a really good actor. I've got no issue at all with Shia I think he's great. I think he's really yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I really like that um, that whole scene, the gravity of it. It sets things up, that um, exorcism thing. I, it got me thinking about exorcism scenes in films and what makes them scary and what makes them not scary. And I think the thing that I, I sort of settled on, the big difference being this is one of those rare films where there's an exorcism scene and you you see what's doing the the possessing. Yeah. You know, you can see the demon. Yeah. Whereas the fear in all the other ones, like the, the exorcism scenes in The Exorcist are absolutely terrifying because you, yeah. you just can't see the horrific mm. demonic force that's doing it. Whereas it's, it's this sort of like weirdy, half-headed snot thing yeah. in here. And while I really like, all the work that went into the sequence, um, seeing it removed a little bit of the fear for me. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's something that possibly the film struggles with throughout is it sort of falls between the two stools of whether it wants to be a horror film or an action film and it yeah. never really equalises that. Like at some points it's really good, you know, it's really good at building dread and then and then other stuff, it's bombastic. And it's when it tries to combine the two. Yeah. It doesn't always mesh correctly and I think that's why you get some of these you know, you need to when you're doing an, an action sequence, you need to see the antagonist that you're fighting against. So mm. that's why you have to create a little weird CGI goblin thing and trap it in a mirror and throw it out <laughs> of a window. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is I think that definitely is true. Um, it doesn't know whether it's a horror or an action film, but I think what yeah. film comes out of it is something different. But, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get um, to it. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Anyway, so yeah, and then after this intro for for Constantine, we're then sort of thrusted into the main crux of the whole film, where we're introduced to Rachel Weiss's character. Who is it, Weiss or Vice? I always say Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice. Uh, Wait, Vice, what? What? Is it Vice or Weiss? That's what. It was. But you know, I, I I was looking at you both, and I'm still establishing it in my head. Like I don't know. Don't know which I don't one. Know. Rachel Vice. 
<laughs> so something yeah. gentle v so she's both a cop and uh a, a, the cop's twin sister who appears to commit yeah. suicide when we're introduced to rachel vice's character <laughs> and again we're talking about how good the photography is the shot of isabel she's called the one in the mental home who commits suicide oh yeah that shot is amazing yeah the, the when she chains herself off yeah the and it's from below and yeah, she's falling yeah she falls it's through. so good isn't it yeah and again like this is a point where this is an example of where the effects are amazing because of course that's cgi you're not going to chuck a body double of rachel vice off a roof and let her fall <laughs> through a window <laughs> that looks amazing i think i just think that whole shot is yeah. absolutely gorgeous it's quality yeah. absolutely no totally agree. i'm with you yes yeah, amazing um and um Rachel Vice is the f- this is the first time we've had Keanu on the podcast. It's the first time we've had Rachel Vice on the podcast, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, wow. and she's Two just about to big hitters. Yeah, she's just about to go really big. I think she wins the Constant Gardener comes out after this later in the year, which she wins an Oscar for. Um, so I haven't seen it myself, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it just it, it it sounds like you know, and this is no offense to the film or the source yeah. material, but it sounds like it's bought. The Constant Gardener. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know what the film's it's about. I don't think it's about drab. gardening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it must have been but quite it's good. constant. I mean, it's a mundane hobby done in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're dissing a lot of stuff tonight. Aren't we? I know, we really are. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, she's about to win an Oscar in what we're sure is a very good film, but I don't think any of us have seen it. So it's a good 2005, because this is a hit, if not as big a hit as the studio would want it to be in order to greenlight a sequel. But And then she gets some award recognition, and then she becomes like Rachel Weisz, as she's known now, which is really respected. Mm, yeah. Thespian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and she's really good in this too. Absolutely. I can't fault any of the cast at all in this. I think they're all on point and they're all game for yeah, what's going all, on. Yeah. I like Keanu like Reeves. Yeah, yeah, because you have to be gay. I mean, can we talk about Keanu Reeves just a little bit? Like, I would put him up there as one of the best action heroes of the last 30 years. Like, just yeah. look at what he's got in his locker. So, Point Break, Speed, The Matrix franchise, and the John Wick franchise as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. He's still going now. He's in his 50s. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. If you compare that yeah. to like Bruce Willis, who just sort of fizzled. He, he's so committed, isn't he, as well? Like, yeah. Especially in the John Wick and the Matrix films where he like learned jiu-jitsu and kung fu and all that stuff and learned how to fire proper guns and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's super committed yeah. here too as well, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think Keanu's great in this. and I agree. I think this is why it's good to... I think this is why it was a good sort of call to revisit this because the cast, for instance, at the time weren't as big as they are now or well-respected as yeah, they yeah. are now. Yeah, yeah. Keanu yeah. is being a big one of that, how he's now this massive cultural icon. Everyone absolutely loves yeah, him. Yeah, he, he was at his peak here and then he dipped and now he's come back up again and he's as famous as he yeah. ever was now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you've got Rachel Weisz, who's an Oscar-winning actress, who's now just you know one of the best working actresses today. Shia LaBeouf, who's a, he's a famous famous actor. He's a he's a yeah. big name, really. If you stick Shia LaBeouf on a on a at the you know on the front of a cinema, you know who he is. He's a he's a big name. Absolutely, and, yeah. And I just I just think all these things like you know I do think they would have made this film differently if they'd brought it out today. But I think it's good to revisit it when all these new and there's someone what. W- I'm sure we'll mention her later, like a really famous actress who crops up for like two seconds. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to look at this 
15 years on and see oh, how different it is. Definitely. I've just told you who you're talking All about. the elements are there. And then we get intro to Constantine's mate who gives him loads of James Bond-style gadgets and talks yeah. through all these really good... Constantine's like, the screeching, cue. Yeah, the yeah, screeching... That's exactly what I wrote in my notes, a cult cue. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we see something quite rare in movies in terms of L.A. It... It's pissing down with rain the yeah, whole yeah. time. Yeah, it looks dire, doesn't it? Oh, God, yeah, it looks horrible. And there's a shot, yeah. isn't there, where it's like um top-down view of the rain and it's very like The Matrix. There's a shot in that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly yeah. the same shot. But there's so many stylistic shots like that and stylistic choices that really, really work. Yeah, um, definitely. Do you think it's only there for the, the odd um, effects choice that lets these style choices down? I think it's one of those where they had the money and they were just yeah. like, let's just put it behind CGI. This is the in thing. And they, yeah. it was just because it was in vogue, wasn't it? To, it just comes back to this thing that, guys, your CGI isn't as good as you think it is. Like, it might have looked yeah, cutting yeah. edge at the time, but it won't half age it, you know, 15 years later. Like, the sequences where Constantine has to go to hell and stuff like that, I just look like a screensaver from Windows 95, really. <laughs> <laughs> The, the things what we're talking about now, what we're saying looks amazing and looks yeah. good. It's, it's all the practical, practical stuff. stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual yeah. cinematography. What is the simple form of getting a camera, lighting a scene and shooting that scene? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's obviously CGI yeah. in a lot of the scenes going on, but that's where CGI is yeah. good, where it sort of blends in and it's seamless with a shot to make that shot look better and not the main focus of the shot. You know, we've said it on this podcast so many times we have we have but it's a point it's a point worth making especially in the context of the film that we're looking at i mean um similar sort of thing like for me the 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 poor elements of the cgi here don't wreck the film for me but do you remember um yeah i agree with that. the movie the relic um with tom sizemore and penelope ann miller i've not seen it for a very long time <laughs> but you remember it though like yeah, you know yeah. you remember roughly there was yeah. um chicago museum opening and um, some monster was going around killing everyone during the thing. Don't worry, I'm, I'm bringing this to the podcast. But <laughs> when you eventually see the monster later on, it's in CG and it's it's dire. It's absolutely yeah, yeah. dire. And it's it's like all that brilliant tension, all the set pieces, all the little yeah. show-don't-tell stuff that's going on is all undone in one minute for me. So I think where this film gets away with it is it has this film has its moment right about now in the film where he's John's walking down the street and this weird crab monster things comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I I could do without this scene to be honest. I think this is and like you said, Rob, where that film's ruined by its climax by this big CGI shit yeah, fest, which yeah, happens yeah. a lot of the time in films. Fortunately for this film, in my opinion, it has that moment here and you can sort mm, of mm. you've still got two thirds of a film to go. Yeah, and I found a lot of the shonky... I'd agree with that. I found a lot of the shonkier yeah. elements were in the first half of the film rather than in the second. And I don't yeah, know if it's yeah. just because there's more cutting going on in the, uh, as the action scenes become more bombastic and more vi- uh, visceral that you don't notice it as much. But yeah, yeah, the weird crab-insect man fight <laughs> is, is on. So the first hour of the film is essentially a procedural, isn't it, in world-building whereby yeah. you learn about John Constantine as um, an occult detective and enforcer essentially you've got rachel vice's character angela is trying to find out exactly what happened to uh her sister whether she actually committed suicide and she doesn't believe that she did because she's a devout catholic and then how their stories then come together and then conv- and her convincing him to help her 
and him convincing her of his world essentially and then it just it's almost like a like a noir isn't it for the first hour is, like a mystery yeah, yeah. and it uh, and then it sort of comes together and we find out all these different elements and the setting really helps that the 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 noir la setting really helps that and i think kian i think keanu reeves does as well making it he does feel yeah like yeah. a noir because i you know the character of constantine is supposed to be this like wise cracking british dude yeah and i just don't think it would have worked in this setting um, no, not, not it wouldn't have worked in yeah. LA in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a Scouse accent as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I'd have loved to have they seen him do it. Americans would have yeah. understood him. They just yeah. would not have understood what he was saying. Because no. the simple fact of the matter is, you know, we, we've had a few comments from a couple of American <laughs> listeners saying they struggle to understand <laughs> what we say sometimes because we've got yeah. broad Northern England English accents. And, you know, all these comic book fans kicking off that it's not loyal to the comic and blah, blah, blah. And it's simply because it's an American movie and Americans yeah. are not going to get what a Scouser sounds like and they're not yeah. going to understand what a Scouser is. And, and what, what British production company can pour $100 million into a Scouse devil fight? It's not going to happen. Do you want the film <laughs> to be gonna gonna made or ever. not? Yeah. It's, yeah. Although what I'd are you like going to do? It. Cast Ricky Tomlinson as John Constantine, <laughs> right? Because yeah, there was a, the, the 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 writers of the script said they were, it was being chucked around Hollywood for a while and it didn't yeah. get any traction whatsoever. And then as soon as they changed the character to an American, yeah, that's when it started getting picked up. So exactly. like, it's not it's not a coincidence. Do you, know, do you think as well that that's like massive introspection and navel gazing on behalf of the the Hollywood community though as soon as you make it based in LA right it's greenlit yeah, I think it is and it isn't I mean I think like you know he's quite globetrotting I think isn't he Constantine as a character anyway yeah, yeah. I know nothing about the comic book to be perfectly honest with you the fact is it comes down to it's a business decision at the end of the day you're going to spend it, 100 yeah. million on a film you need people to go and see it so what do you need you need most of the time unless it as particularly with a property like this it isn't that well known within the mainstream is you need a, a well-known A-list movie star to be in the film. So, yeah, maybe you could have tried to get Brad Pitt or someone like that, and then at least he'd be blonde or whatever. But does that really <laughs> matter in the scheme yeah. of things? And I don't know if he's faithful to the comic book or not, but what it is is a, it's a character that is very much within uh, Keanu Reeves' wheelhouse and yeah. that he... He plays it perfectly well yeah. for me. Yeah. Delivers, doesn't uh, he? Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, R- Rob, did you read the trivia on who was originally attached to direct and who was originally attached to star I as Constantine did. in this movie? I jolly did. They uh, parted ways, uh, I believe, <laughs> and neither of them ended up on the project because I know. I mean, I know the star because it's lodged in my head. It was going to be Nicolas Cage, wasn't it? Yes, at one stage. it was. Yeah, he's blonde. <laughs> kind the of. director was gonna be uh, Tarsem Singh, who did the fall, I think, and the yes. uh, the cage is it the cage? Or the, the cell Jennifer with Lopez? Jennifer Lopez. The cell. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, he did the cell. With and Jennifer he said Lopez. that he couldn't possibly work with Cage. <laughs> and, and like Francis cage... Lawrence, he's a very visual director. Tarsem Singh. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. The fall is gorgeous. Yeah. Fucking hell, what a film that is. <laughs> I'd like to have seen Nicolas Cage's Constantine. That's no disrespect to Keanu, but hell again, I'd like to watch Nicolas Cage wipe his own bum. So I don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really got a hold of that one. <laughs> <laughs> if the fans got annoyed that Keanu Reeves got cast, what would they say if Cage got cast? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> a, a balding man who's like just a bit, a bit, a bit weird and a bit vacant in his face. So oh, you're saying sorry. it's the devil? Is that what you're saying? 
<laughs> God's a kid with an ant farm. He ain't got a plan. <laughs> but yeah, James, you're right. That first hour is, is that procedural, and then yeah. the second half is we get really into the yeah. Then we get into like the meat of the story, which is basically the the uh, the devil's son. He's been a bit cheeky, and he's trying to cross over into uh, and take over. Earth, basically, mm. and there's this whole thing about the balance and what have you. It's like there's, there's like half demons, half angels walking around everywhere. Not really, but doesn't matter really. Basically, <laughs> the simple plot is that the son of the devil is trying to cross over, and he needs a psychic, uh, which he decides is uh, Angela, who's was Isabel's twin who had visions, uh, and he needs this dagger that the fella from Mexico is bringing across the border, as much to uh, Donald Trump's chagrin, I would have thought. <laughs> And then basically, it's all as we get into the hour mark, everything starts to coalesce into good versus evil, and then we're we're off to the races, and that's where it's basically all action from an hour in. Yeah, because yeah, it, it is a lot of world being. Like you're finding out, like yeah, like why Constantine does what he does, so he wants yeah. to get into heaven and all that sort of stuff. I find with this all this law stuff, I really loved all this stuff. Um, mm, yeah, in terms of the the story of the um, the half breeds where they can't God and God, the, uh, God and the devil made this pact where they are not allowed to directly control humans. That they, they can only sort of prod them and and push them into certain decisions of whether yeah. they're good or bad. Yeah. And that's what these half breeds do. And I love all that. It's certainly interesting. Definitely, it's a, it definitely is. an interesting setup. I think possibly where the film may have fallen down a bit and may have, where, where, you know, when I go back to the critical things of seeing how it's boring. Um, is that there's a lot of it and it's quite dense yeah. and you really have to be paying attention because if you miss one ounce of that backstory and all that lore, you're lost for the rest of the film then. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's one of those where you really have to be paying attention to every single detail of this lore and story and there's a lot of leaps of faith in there and, and a lot of trust in the audience to know what they're going on about. That, it's not, well, it's not yeah. spelled out for no. them. It's quite, that's it's what quite, I wanted to ask. Do you, do you think it's a little too dense in that area Possibly, for casual yeah. moviegoers, perhaps? Probably, yeah. yeah I, found, I found it a little yeah. convoluted, but then once it actually got into the... I'll tell you what, I'll tell you when this film went up a level for me is when uh, basically re, um, John Constantine decides that he's going to show Angela what hell looks like. Yes. Um, and they do the bathtub thing, as I've written yeah. in my notes, hell tub. Basically, <laughs> where um, where he puts uh, Rachel Vice's character into the bath, essentially drowns her so that she can see yes. hell, and yeah. then she comes back and the whole bathtub explodes and she's like smoking. This isn't me being sexist. It, it, she's literally smoking like <laughs> steam because she's been in the pits of hell. And then from there, we're off to the races. Then he gets older Balthazar, who's been a cheeky little devil, quite literally, <laughs> and getting involved with all kinds of shenanigans on Earth. Um, and he was had a hand in killing his alcoholic priest friend. So he, yep. he gives him a good hiding, doesn't he, with some holy brass knuckles, which are never seen that before. Yeah, you ain't gonna see that. You ain't seen that in anywhere this else. Is, yeah. So this is—he's played by Balthazar's played by Gavin Rossdale of Bush, and yeah. more, I think he's—I yeah. think he's more famously known for being uh, Gwen Stefani's husband for a long yes. period yes. of time. If you ask me, a Bush hit, I—I I can't remember. Swallow. That's the only one I know. Oh, Swallowed. I do remember that. Yeah. Mexican America. Yeah. They were they yeah. were one of those British bands who were bigger in America than they were in England. <laughs> oh right, okay. Which is quite cool. rare. Yeah, they were massive in America, huge in America. 
But yeah, he's pretty awful, isn't he? He looks great. He looks amazing. But he's a bit shit. Yeah, he looks the part. Yeah, <laughs> He's got a smug, punchable face, which is great for yeah. the role. Uh, <laughs> he goes very Two-Face. Yes. Circa yeah. Batman Forever. Yeah, he does go very Two-Face. And is so that's got to be a mix of practical and CGI, hasn't yes. it? especially yes, when he's lying on the yeah. table. The practical, yeah. practical stuff looks great, doesn't it? I think exactly. Yeah, use more of it. I know it's expensive and time-consuming, but use more it's of so it. So worth it, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then I think from this point, we we know that the the spear is it's revealed to be the, uh, the sorry this this dagger is revealed to be part of the spear that killed Jesus, and that's why it's yeah. so valuable. Yes. Because yeah, and that's what they're going the to use to Jesus, and that's so what, basically. Yeah, exactly. The, the whole plan is, which we find out at the end, is that Angela is going to be sort of impregnated with this demon who is the devil's son, and they're going to use this dagger to get it out. But you need help from God in order to do this. And this is where one of the twists comes up in the third act, but we'll get to that. Uh, you know that Spear of Destiny prop, by the way? It's the exact same one used in Hellboy, which seems a bit cheap and nasty, to be honest. Can you not make your own props? <laughs> <laughs> well, can I add that, like, Hellboy, um, just to go back... A long, long way, but um, he was a really good um, page-to-screen adaptation. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he really, really was, good. yeah. And was it like Del Toro like, insisted on having Ron Perlman and he the did, studio yes. was like, no, no, it's like, no, no, I'm not making this film if it's if it's not Ron Perlman. In the meetings, like, there is a human being out there with Hellboy's face. <laughs> There's no way we're doing this without him. <laughs> Uh, thank you as well for sort of explaining a little bit of the finer pot points there, guys, because um, I didn't get it the first time I watched it. I didn't get it this time either. <laughs> uh, I, the penny is dropping slowly here. Well, this is it. I got I got a little bit muddled in the first hour, I must be honest. Um, and then I, once I'd seen the thing, I was like, I'm preparing for the pod tonight. I don't really know what happened in this. It's like, right, what was the through line? This was it. This was the plot, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just nail it down to that. And the rest is just... Uh, world building and texture and what have you. So were they pre- were they prepping for a major franchise? Oh yeah, definitely. I think this is settled perfectly with the way that it ends for continued adventures of Constantine. Yeah, I think when you spend when you drop that amount of money on a film, then the hope is that it'll do gangbusters at the box office, so you can make some more of them. But it's it's quite weird because you look at the films what came out that year, and there's nothing truly massive. Yeah, like you know, outside of your franchises like a harry potter film comes out and a star wars film comes out batman begins did come out but that was i don't recall batman begins doing amazingly well it definitely wasn't in the no it made like 400 million though and around the same budget level as this so and plus yeah yeah this is definitely just on the cusp of the comic book film going massive so yeah exactly Yeah, yeah 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 the comic book films that year are batman begins sin city constantine and um, Fantastic Four. They're, so they're the comic book films that year. Right. Yeah, there's no Marvel Universe at this. Yeah, this so. this is way before all that kicks off. So it's a yeah. bit surprising that it didn't take more money, I think, with yeah. Yeah. Keanu. That's, that's maybe, really interesting. Maybe it was because the, the critics sort of panned it, maybe that sort of. And the R rating well, as well. You know, oh, was it an R rating? Yeah, yeah, and it's a 15 oh, in it? this country as well, yeah. It's right, quite okay. gruesome in places, and there's yeah, obviously no, is, yeah. suicide elements as well, well towards yeah. the end. Interesting. <laughs> it's too dense a film to cover so in detail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have yeah, to there's watch. a bit with an electric chair. about the film for 45 minutes. There's a bit with an electric chair in the nightclub. There's a bit where they're blessing some bullets and stuff like that and they make a holy hand grenade and all sorts of... I liked all that. 
Yeah, yeah uh, Angela gets kidnapped and dragged through a building quite literally. It's a great scene. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good bit of CGI. Credit where yeah, it's due. That's it fantastic. Is, yeah. That's and very good. Keanu, because that was in the trailer, I remember. Keanu Reeves chasing after her through with a shotgun as she gets dragged literally yeah. through the through the dividing areas of this building and out into the night, and he's yeah. ready to. But he doesn't catch her, obviously, because then you'd have no third act. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I talk about an underrated effect just for a second? I thought, you yeah, know, when, yeah. um, Father Hennessy, because we're racing through, and we're just diving in at certain bits here, aren't we, really? But Father Hennessy is the sort of the... the he's not the sidekick, is he? Because that's that's the Steve the Beef's role. He's one of the sidekicks. Mm. Is, got, yeah, he's, he's kind of a sidekick, sidekick dude, yeah. yeah. And when he goes into the... Because he's an alcoholic, he runs into a liquor store and starts grabbing yeah. bottles and they're all... They won't pour for him, even though he breaks yeah, yeah, the yeah. necks of them and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that was all really, really effective. Yeah, really it's a horrible, good. gruesome yeah. death as well. Like Absolutely atrocious, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely atrocious. Anyway, sorry, on with the show. No, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so so, so the, final, the final sort of act of this is because Angela gets kidnapped by the demons to sort of finish this the thing they're trying to do to raise the devil's son she's part of it very much so constantine goes to save her and then this is our final act then he's he goes to save her and we we didn't mention her intro because she's only in it quite fleetingly but um the angel gabriel is yes. in this film um played by tilda swinton um yes. who looks cool as fuck doesn't she, she? does yeah yes yeah. brilliant character design really well. good character design really good casting yeah we basically find out that angel gabriel is the sort of core person who set up this motion of bringing the devil, devil's yes. son into the yeah. into the earth realm because she feels that the human race deserve sort of culling to prove who deserves yeah. God's they're love. They're ungrateful, basically. Yeah, the yeah. Angel Gabriel has gone has taken a long walk off a short period. She, the, all sanity has left the building at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tilda Swinton as well. Um, there is a town near where I live called Swinton. Um, yeah. It was kind of near where you guys, yeah, it's certainly James, you, you know, you, uh, yeah. Cy, where you grew up. I used to work there and I know it's called, um, it comes from Swine Town because that's <laughs> where they used to take pigs to be sold. So um, I've had a trouble not calling her Tilda Swine Town. Tilda Swine Town. But she's very good. And it, she she's is. just, re- she's revealed after old poor Chaz gets it. Like he gets it. He has his heroic moment. That's and then so he harrowing. Yeah. Absolutely pummeled against the Chaz. floor and the ceiling. And <laughs> yes, it's, oh, poor Chaz. Chaz. We've had a few moments in the film where time sort of stands still, doesn't it? Because they say, yeah. when you go to hell, it, you know, one minute is an eternity. So, and that happens again. Angel Gabriel's just about to stab Angela with this dagger and reveal this demon who's coming out of her belly. And then Constantine throws his last, he has his last roll of the dice and he slits his wrist to, to die. And I think the best interpretation of the devil I think I've ever seen in a movie. It's um, certainly I, I'm strange. not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. I just think it's absolutely brilliant, this. Yeah. The linen-suited Russian from Armageddon. Yeah, Peter Stomer. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. He came up with a costume design himself. They were supposed to be a proper SM devil, SM Lucifer yeah, with like I read leather that, waistcoat yeah. and you know, probably had his ass out or something like that. Oh, <laughs> like a hacky <laughs> version of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah but he, he came up with this idea because the original concept of hell was that it was gonna be black with an oil floor. Yeah. Um like in what's that Scarlett Johansson film called? Under the Skin. 
under the skin, um, yeah. where it's like that. So his feet are covered in tar, and he's in a lovely linen suit. Yeah, and he's so fucking weird, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's off the wall. He's always so interesting whenever he's in anything. To be put, he is. He is. Even um, do you remember in the Lost World? You know, the second Jurassic Park film. Yes. Was he in that? He is, yeah. He gets um, eaten by compies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the one who oh, keeps yeah, antagonising so the compies. So, yeah. He's so good in it as well. <laughs> he's a proper showstopper and he was excellent in Bad Boys 2. Yeah. He's the, oh. you know, the main villain guy. Oh, and he's excellent when he's putting Steve Buscemi through the wood chipper in Fargo as well. He's in Fargo. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I have seen it. Just, just. <laughs> I, 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 I love this scene as well so Lucifer is eager to get his hands on Constantine because Constantine is this he's sort of like a good prize isn't he to, to, to have oh, yeah. Lucifer's serious scalp stable um, like he's a team like a wrestling team about to go <laughs> yeah. on the Dudley Brothers uh, TLC match and I, I need Constantine on my team Constantine and the devil versus the Dudley Brothers Constantine in my stable for this TLC match at Wrestlemania <laughs> <laughs> and he sort of reveals to Lucifer that um, his son is basically to come to, to to usurp him Yeah. so Lucifer's like not having that so he he, he stops all that he Stops Angel Gabriel and turns her into a human because God's pissed off with her that he's got she she's got is it he is she supposed to be he or a she I don't really know gender fluid I believe yeah, yeah. I think they that sort of androgynous design yeah. is yeah. all part of the the purpose here yeah so um, Gabriel's no longer divine because he's been a bit of a naughty bastard <laughs> and to say so, the least yeah so <laughs> so Mammon who's the devil's son is banished back to hell and. Uh, when Lucifer goes to take Constantine to hell, uh, he can't because he's redeemed himself and he's sacrificed himself. He's made the ultimate sacrifice like Jesus did. Yeah. Um, and he gets his redemption to heaven, which is then stolen from him again. The bastard. <laughs> so, he, yeah, and he, he's cured of his lung cancer because throughout the film he's yep. he's, a, he's a chronic smoker and he's he's got yeah. lung cancer. And Lucifer cures him of that, so he's... Which is to... apparently terminal, but doesn't stop him running at any point at all. He never gets winded. <laughs> <laughs> he just coughs down again, doesn't yeah. he? Got old Constantine saved humanity. And yeah. he's, he's back with Angela and he's got the dagger and he tells her to go and bury it off somewhere. Um, and then that's... Not in a swastika. Don't do that. Not in a swastika. No, no, just where he can't find it. And Constantine is, is consigned to a life of fighting more of this demonic stuff. Um, yeah. Which... Was to set up the sequels, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He has a lovely bit of Nicorette gum uh, towards the end. Yeah. Of the smoking. And then it's we go to black for a film to sort of to do two and a half as well as its budget and not get a sequel. Is it? Is it? I think. I, I think it generally sequel tends to be didn't it? Yeah, three to four. If it had done three hundred, I think it would have been all right. You've got to take into yeah. account the marketing cost for a film of this size. Yeah, yeah. You know, massive worldwide release. It was probably Warner Brothers, along with Batman Begins, Warner Brothers' big tentpole release of that of that summer or whenever it came out. Yeah, yeah. And Harry Potter. At... Wow, they had three massive movies that year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. did Harry Potter as well. Well, maybe they were just spoiled, basically, in terms of they were just like, well, it's not performing as well as our other franchises, so we're we're not going to go ahead with it. Mm. But yeah, I think when you take, you know, the the marketing costs were probably eighty to a hundred million dollars at least, so it yeah. probably only just sort of broke even with the, you know, or made of, you know, it's not worth taking another 
bet on it for a potential profit of like 20 to 30 million dollars yeah yeah of course yeah did you guys stick around for the post credit sequence what i didn't know there was one i didn't think they existed back then to be perfectly what what happened so uh it's on youtube um constantine goes to the grave of old Chaz. Mm. gives him it puts his lighter on top of the the headstone because he's quit smoking um and then wings appear behind constantine you know the there's a poster of the film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Constantine with the wings behind him. It's from ah. this shot. So it's, uh, and then he turns around and it's um, Chaz with wings and then he flies up to heaven. Oh, so Chaz, Chaz has got wings, not. Yeah, not... so, Ch- no, not Constantine. And it said it's John Chaz. Ronson, John Constantine. No. <laughs> so, um, Chaz went to heaven with lovely wings. <laughs> so he could watch all the free porn he wanted to. <laughs> Chaz got his just rewards and went to heaven an angel. <laughs> that was quite good, actually. <laughs> yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> lovely little, we love a little bit of John Ronson. We really do. He's talking now about that's, a number, that's over three uh, mentions for him. He's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. I'd love <laughs> you know, that. <laughs> what about his... that film Constantine with Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Banishing the demons back to hell. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> oh, all right, I'm going to have to go and listen to those podcasts again. Actually, those, those audiobooks. And um, right, best bits. Tell me. Uh, my best bits are two very quick ones. Holy brass knuckles punching Gavin Rosdale in the face. <laughs> lovely, very satisfying. Yes. Um, and the demon deportation sequence where they've rigged the sprinklers with holy water and then oh, he breaks out yeah. his holy shotgun and absolutely leathers these demons back to hell. I, I said <laughs> earlier that we'll get to the famous actress who has two seconds. This is the scene. It's Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Just she says one line and then she gets killed. Like her part was blade, cut down. She, well, she, was it? she had a character out. arc, yeah, and it got cut out of the movie because obviously it's right. two-hour films and so how they were film, expecting yeah. to fit that in. I've no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no way. They could have. They could have took out the crab monster. That would have been. <laughs> well, hang on. That's I, that sort of is my favourite bit. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. This. Do you remember Congo had um, a very unique thing you'd never see in cinema? What was it? Was it? Uh, was it a gorilla drinking a cocktail or something? That happened as well. On an fact, <laughs> that's a stupid question because that had a gorilla firing a laser. <laughs> Ugly. Delroy oh, Lindo getting very Ugly. upset at someone Woman. eating his sesame cake. <laughs> no, sesame it had a cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it had um, well a very rare case of cinematic hippo death. There is also a very rare animal moment in this film, and that is live crustacean abuse. A crab gets booted <laughs> in this film. That, deserved it. Totally it, deserved it. it. While watching it, there's lots that I enjoyed, but while watching it, that was the moment when <laughs> while watching it, when the crab was punted. Uh, si, what about you? I really like the shot where Angela gets taken by the demons through the yeah, building. I know it's in the trailer and it was like, it was the big moment, but I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, but then the also the bit where it goes back to um, Constantine as a kid and he's on the bus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With the, and, and that, this was the bit because you said before James about, didn't know whether it was a horror or a, 
um, yeah. action film. This scared the shit out of me. This bit. I proper <laughs> jumped, to, proper jumped to this bit. That, yeah, that was my other favorite bit. I thought it was really, really good. Um, the kid acted his pants off in that bit as well. Oh he yeah, he's like, "You're a young Keanu Reeves with your gorgeous black hair. Yeah. Look gorgeous." <laughs> Wait, like, he's, he's supposed to be blonde, and they took the took a guy with the blackest hair. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and according to Pete Bradshaw, the most Botoxed face. And the most yeah, Botoxed yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Somebody what hit that kid with some more Botox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in which case, um, for your reconsideration, uh, say you go last, as is per our custom, James. Yeah, so it's a bit of a film of two halves for me, Clive. So there's a good stu- <laughs> there's good stuff in here for sure. But if I'm honest, I found the first hour and the world building a bit of a slog and needlessly convoluted. I was getting distracted, and some of that CGI in the early scenes has aged really badly. But when it became Keanu leathering demons in the second half, I was all in, and it seemed perfectly set up for a sequel, which I would have been interested to see, but it doesn't look like 15 years later that we're going to get to see a Keanu Reeves (laughs) version of Constantine again. Overall, it's fun in parts, but I'd only give it a spin if you've not seen it before. I don't think you need to go back and watch it again if you've already seen it, unless you loved it, in which case, go for it. (laughs) Um, Right, in which... Well, for myself... um... I, I think the look of the film... I can't say bad things, too much bad things, about a film that looks as good as this one does. Uh, it looks fantastic. And I am a little... Uh, oddly for me, because of how much of a fan of practical effects I am, that oddly for me, I feel that it's not as terrible as I thought it was going to be, the um, the CGI. Although I'd always love CGI to be used a little more sparingly. Mm. I think it looked great. Um, there was so much invention going on and so many good visual motifs, visual um, style choices that still stick in my head right now that, yeah, I, I really love looking at it. The performances are universally excellent. So many of the design choices in terms of both a character sense but also a production design were excellent. Uh I think just for me, I would like a little bit of the pace tightening up. At times, it felt a little too dense and sedentary. I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes in those scenes where you wanted it to speed up a little bit, there just wasn't enough music. You know, for a music director, (laughs) some of the scenes were absolutely silent. So um, those minor quibbles aside, take 20 minutes off this, and I think you've got a much tighter, much more fun film. And uh, yeah, just there's too much for me to enjoy here, not to recommend. So yeah, reconsider. Interesting, interesting. Uh, it, it it's a good one this one actually because it's a, it's one what is something what isn't a um an easy sort of yes consider you know reconsider it. Um, yeah. When for all three of us, when when I was looking mm. to the reviews and whatnot for this, I found a really inter- interesting editorial article on Rotten Tomatoes from a chap called Raphael Motamea. I don't know if I've said that right. Um, entitled, 15 years later, we owe Constantine an apology. <laughs> that offers a, a good few takes on as to why this film deserves our attention and deserves a rewatch. Um, you know, if you've got time, if, if you fancy having a read of that, obviously I'm not going to go through it because it's really long. But yeah, what Raphael covers in the article is precisely how I feel when I watch this film again after not seeing it for ages. For me, this was one of those rare occasions where the film was actually better than I remembered it was. And I, I honestly think there's just so much here to be applauded. The photography, as we all... We can all sort of agree on that, can't we? Like the yeah, oh yeah, totally. Just, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot we can agree the on. Strongest, yeah, uh, the strongest don't get me wrong. bit of this film, isn't it? 
Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't think it's bad by any stretch. I just, if you've already seen it, I don't know what you... Mm. Personally, I didn't get anything new out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spin. I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe the difference with me is when I first watched that, I obviously wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I watched it, I got plenty more. Uh, but yeah, the photography is amazing throughout. Um, I love the, the brooding score of it and the overall slow burn of it, um, which is incidentally things two things you didn't like about it um, <laughs> like it, it's a tone more akin to a noir i felt than a comic book action yeah. which i guess a lot of people were expecting when they sat down to watch this film um and you know if you're gonna put all the money behind it and say it's an action movie then of course that's what people are gonna expect yeah um i think keanu reeves is great and really perfect even though he doesn't look like or sound like the original character there are elements of the plot that you really have to pay attention to to get your head around and fully appreciate. And it does get a bit he- sort of heavy in that sense. Um, some of the effects on the demons do look a little schlocky as time's gone on by by today's standards. But I honestly think, like, while it's not a perfect movie by any stretch, I just think it really does deserve a revisit, if only to take in a comic book movie before it all kicked off and before it went massive, yeah, but also really also a comic book movie that tried to do things different yeah. from what it was basing itself on. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Either way, I think. Either way. Yeah, I think I love that assessment size. Well, and I think um, all three of us have come up with really valid points there, actually, um, and very fair ones. And um, this one, I think, tonight has challenged. It us. has, oh, hasn't yeah. it? I think that's fair to say. It has really challenged us in like the best ways possible, and it's exactly the remit of the podcast, isn't it? To see what we thought about these movies. You know, I, I, we love a noble try, don't we? And there's a lot of noble trying oh, yeah. going yeah, on yeah. here, definitely. I'm not um, that down on it. I just no, I, but I yeah. also agree with you, James, that if you didn't like it the first time round, um, oh know, no, sorry. yeah, totally, yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. might not find anything to sway you this time round. Although I also agree with you, side that like I was kind of in the middle on it the first time around although I thought it looked kind of cool and I actually thought it looked amazing this time and you know and the story's great it just needed for me in terms of a story sense needed yeah, tightening up. up yeah so yeah it's it really really cool and th- that I think we've we've elevated ourselves here tonight <laughs> to cerebral dis- discussion so I, I'm going to bring it right back down by going poo wee sick and trumps um, go and you should bring it back down by doing a cage impression or something we need to do that's <laughs> Listen, just not a, no, um, or a Van Dyke JCVD impression <laughs> what you, um, my friends what you need to do is you need to go out and mainline Dettol this evening right now right now it will Van Damme would have rocked the, as Papa Midnight by the way he would have he would have he would have <laughs> Gentlemen, that was um, that was really good. I, you know what? It's it almost inspiring to go and watch it again now. But I think my and my Amazon rental is already up, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to go and watch it again. Um, boys, it's been a true pleasure uh, as always. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, please tune in again next time where we will be discussing. Are we back round to my pick again? We are. Oh, we are. Yeah. What's next time? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I don't know, a Lance Henriksen Bigfoot movie? How about <laughs> Abominable from nine, from 2006? How does that oh, sound? You How does that have, grab you? <laughs> you, could have, you could have said that and everyone would have been able to guess it was your pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, if you like practical effects, fill your flipping boots. Uh, oh. Hang out with us on Twitter at FYR Film Pod. Please send us uh, various shenanigans at reconsiderpod.gmail.com. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, yeah, until next time, keep drinking Dettel.
Apparently it works. <laughs> Caveat, it does not work. That man's an idiot. <laughs> bye bye. I still can't believe you two haven't seen Midnight Run. I'm, I've been annoyed about that no. since we started. No, no. I honestly don't. I honestly don't, really don't know. I know. I know of Logan's Run. No idea what Midnight Run is. Absolutely <laughs> Do yourself a favor. I know of the Northern Run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a film about a 5k and <laughs> <laughs>